The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. My name is Brian Finch, and I don't know shit about wrestling. And I'm Andrew Lenz, and I don't know shit about wrestling. <laughs> that's right. We don't. And uh, we are on the podcast where that's okay. You come here, you admit, you you tell me what you want, right? And I'm going to get you fixed up with someone. I'm going to get you to the person that knows the answers to all your questions Yes, that's right. You have found your way to these guys don't know shit. Today's topic chosen by the one and only Andrew Lenz is fantastic. If I do say so myself, learn about wrestling. And I never would have thought to bring this up because it's like, no, no, I know about wrestling. But then you reminded me that there are people in our circle of friends, our community here that know way more about wrestling at an intimate level than I ever could or you ever could. Yes. So Andrew, who did you bring to us today? Oh, the one, the only, uh, the, from what I hear, uh, the greatest jobber, which we'll get into probably more of the wrestling lingo of all time. Uh, I should use his, I don't know. I'm going to use his wrestling name. The one and the only Mr. Jerk Hawkins. Hey, what's up? Jerk Hawkins is in the house. I I don't know if I can get used to saying that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and break a little bit of kayfabe and say that uh, it's our good friend, Jack Telepka. Jack, what's That's going me. on? Not a lot, my man, Brian. How are you? It is Fantastic. a stormy, stormy Sunday. Yeah, well, we, we made it through it's it. It's great. Yeah. Last two days, they kind of suck in Buffalo. Uh, but That's true. Yeah. I uh, I dug my car out, literally, and it still was stuck in my driveway. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need play. I have to be somewhere eight minutes ago. Like, yep. let, let's go. Yep. I've definitely had that. The, 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 uh, I'm so snowed in that even when I'm not, I'm still snowed in. <laughs> yeah. We eventually got it. There you go. We're good now, but that's all right. Has it melted yet? No. It's 34 and sunny today, though, so it'll melt a little bit. Oh, but there's still, there's still a pile in my uh, front lawn taller yeah. than you. So. All surface snow on vehicles will definitely be gone at the end of the day today, I would think. I hate all snow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you Except move for to the, the wrestler, right Except for the wrestler, Al Snow. Oh, Al Snow's great. See how I work right in there? Uh, I do. I do. Al Snow is good, though. Uh, So let's hear about your background. Start with way back when you're a kid. Like, that's got to be your first experience, right? Yeah. So way, way back. I I don't have a definitive age. I have to say anywhere from like five to eight. Um, I didn't watch wrestling yet. 
but I believe, and this is memory might not serve me correctly. I believe my older brothers and parents did, or at least my dad. I know my dad did for sure. Um, we had a PlayStation two, like every kid did. Um, and we had a, I don't remember what game. Cause again, I don't remember the year, but it was a WWE. I believe it was a, probably a SmackDown game or just a WWE game overall. Um, and I liked the color red. I loved the color red. So naturally I would pick Kane, the big red machine in this game. I didn't know if he was good, bad. Cause again, I didn't watch wrestling at all, but I would just destroy everybody. I mean, yeah, I'm five, six years old, maybe button mashing, whatever, but I'm Kane. And I even have a little poster of Kane in my office. Beautiful. So every time I'm working from home, that's fun. Um, and then I was like, wow, this is actually really fun. Fast forward a little bit longer. I start watching wrestling, start getting into it, start learning, maybe not learning, but like start learning like, hey, I like this. I always told my dad like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. It was Jack, you can, you can get a real job. You can be an engineer like me. I said, nope, <laughs> I'm going to be a wrestler. Um, and then here we are today where it was the year after I graduated high school, my buddy Greg texted me he said hey come to this address there is a ring in the backyard and we're we're practicing we're training i was like okay sweet and immediately went fell in love and started training with them started doing backyard wrestling because that's fun um and then yeah we're just this where we got that is where i got to where i am today seven eight years in now jesus that's very grassroots (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you're out there and you're practicing, how do you even know? Like, do you first start just trying stuff? Like, like I want to, I've seen this, like, right, seriously, like I'm going to do a close arm. So like, bam, try and pull it off <laughs> or I'm going to um, uh, take a bump, right? There's the hair. I got some terminology, Andrew. I got a little bit. Take a bump, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Bumping is the first thing generally that you learn because okay. that's the major thing that happens in everything, right? So you want to learn how to take a bump because you want to learn how to protect yourself the right way. Protection is the biggest thing. Protection between your yourself and the person you're against or the people you're against, depending on how many people are in the match. Uh, the most important thing. So you start with those. Once you get those down, then you can incorporate clotheslines. They're actually fairly simpler to take than anything else. Um, like obviously you're not gonna be like hey let's start with a canadian destroyer no let's start with a freaking a normal ass bump so you go from taking a bump by yourself to then a clothesline is actually a great example clothesline or shoulder tackle is kind of the exact same thing where now somebody's going to hit you take the bump the exact same way Mm -hmm. which actually helps a little bit because it's more or less like giving you a reason bump instead of sitting in the middle of the ring like okay I'm going to land. I'm going to fall now. Like it's not fun. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not a fun time, but the overall is a fun time. My thing is, do you like the guy that trained you? Does he have to be like licensed or can anybody say, excuse me, that they're a wrestling trainer? Like, or should you look for somebody that's actually had some sort of experience? So the way I was trained, you don't need a, you don't need a, like a, a license or anything. That's not like 
needed. You don't need to be like, oh, I'm licensed to be a pro wrestler. Like this isn't a minister. I'm not marrying people. I'm teaching people how to have fun, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I'm just being a. I'm if just you being go a to dick, like right? a school, I'm just saying like there's wrestling yeah, yeah. schools, but yeah. you have to like. Could I just open up the lens school of wrestling, even though I don't know anything, and just kind of fake it until I make it in a way? Or you could probably open one, but you do want somebody that knows. So, like, if you opened one, you would probably take in somebody from your local area that's, you know, higher up, been doing this for a while to be your head trainer, but you're still the owner and operator type thing. So the way I was trained, I did the backyard stuff with a couple dudes. And then I found this wrestling school up in Rochester. So it's about an hour and a half drive to this school. Every Wednesday, I would drive there. And there was this very weird divide at the time when I started to where this school, Upstate Pro Wrestling, and this other school, Pier 6 Wrestling, were kind of like butting heads in the area of Rochester. And I don't know how. I Like, I can't remember, unfortunately. I ended up at Pier 6 instead. I think Upstate was just not my cup of tea, um, but we, we decided to go to Pier 6 instead, which is fine. So the trainer there was not good. <laughs> for, oh. for what that's worth <laughs> um training was very very the same every week it wasn't like hey let's try to get better is more or less hey i'll take your ten dollars twenty dollars whatever i think it was twenty uh twenty dollars this week and we'll do the exact same thing for the hour and a half to two hours and then you'll go and we'll do it again next week so the stance that he did was let's do strike drills and normal bump drills and then we'll cut a promo for everybody and then we'll leave like that's all he did he didn't want to be like hey what do you guys want to do it's all whatever he wanted he eventually ended up leaving and then his buddy one of the trainees that was there took over because he was the best one there jordan lennox who's actually in the texas area now andrew so if you do open up a school hit up jordan lennox um he started training us he was way better he was like hey what do you guys want to learn i'll show you i'm good at this he wasn't like great, but he was good. Um, that school ended up folding because they just didn't have enough money. They weren't getting enough trainees. Upstate Pro Wrestling was doing way better. So then we jumped back to Upstate Pro Wrestling. There, I don't know if either of you guys remember, um, ECW wrestler Colin Delaney. He was a big jobber for, I think, two and a half, three years. Uh, he was the head trainer there. So I trained with him for two years or so. Uh, every Wednesday, he was the best trainer by far. Obviously, he has WWE experience, so yeah. he has everything that we need to know. Um, branching out from there was fun, and then that's how training went. Now, when you we keep on using the word jobber, Do you yeah, you want to explain that to everybody what exactly a jobber is? So, a jobber is basically you go out there. And you get your ass kicked, which I think is the best thing ever because you don't like you need to do a lot. Jobber is not necessarily as easy as everybody says it is, because the biggest thing is you want to make yourself look good as well as your opponent. That's like the biggest thing about pro wrestling. So a jobber's job is to make their opponent look good. So if I'm wrestling big time Bill Collier, for example. Big dude, 6'7", I believe. I think he's like 
six seven two fifty five. I don't remember his exact. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. He's he's a bit he's a tank. Um, he loves wrestling me as a jobber. He goes anytime I need to look good, I know who to call. So I'm like, sweet, that, that feels nice. Right. Um, but also on the flip coin, you want to make yourself look good. So you want to make sure that your selling's on point. You want to make sure that if you do get offense, that it actually looks good instead of looks bad. Because that means that, okay, maybe this guy's got a little life. No, he doesn't. He's going to get destroyed anyway. But yeah, a jobber, at the end, get out there and lose within five minutes. Like, okay. <laughs> it sounds like uh, like jobbers are the Rudys of the wrestling world. You know, Rudy, the football player from Notre Dame. He goes out there every practice, and yeah, he's not good as everyone else, but he's trying really hard, and he cares about how the other guy is competing. Like you like that idea that you're helping this fellow wrestler to reach a higher level, like look better, perform better. Hopefully they get some better. I don't know. You guys call them gigs. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's, it's great. Yeah. That, that job is honestly great. It doesn't, it doesn't get as much credit outside of wrestling mm-hmm. that it does inside. Cause like inside wrestling, like honestly, I've had some of the best matches being a jobber. I've had great ones too, obviously being singles or a tag team, but it's something, something different about helping somebody else out. I'm very, I don't really care about like fame and fortune and all that. So like if somebody that does needs that done for them, like, okay. <laughs> gotcha. well, I get, it's kind of one hand washes the other. Cause even like you said, Bill Collier, he was, I do believe what the AEW dark, like the, yeah, he was the on their YouTube's. Yeah on youtube and you know he wrestled some pretty and he's pretty good so i mean that could lead to open doors for you as well if you know i need i need this guy (laughs) we we want (laughs) to we we want to make you look big but we need you to just you know like you said beat the crap out of somebody who can who can we find and he would be like hey this guy Hawkins, i know him let's get him We'll run through them because it's probably TV. So we'll run through them in two minutes. I'll run through them in two minutes and I'll look powerful. Yeah. He's actually always said that to me too. He goes like, look, Jack, if I ever make a big and they say, Bill, I need a guy. I just need you to look good today. He's like, you're getting a phone call. I said, okay, deal. He goes, I, I, I trust you. We don't even need to do any. We don't even need to talk. I don't even need to see you that day. We can go out there and we can do the thing. I'm like, I know. And that's that's nice to have that kind of rapport with somebody that's that good, and he is honestly super super underrated and should uh, definitely have a deal by now. But everybody in the area says that. Everybody in the you know whole East Coast says that about Bill. Like he is the one person on the independent circuit that deserves a contract that doesn't have one. Now that kind of leads me into like the next question with the gigs. So. Uh, I've gone to school. I've done some, let's say, Mr. Andrew Lenz has gone to school. I'm big A from the dirty waters. There's my wrestling thing. And now I need a gig. Now, do people call me? Does the school provide that for me? Uh, Or or is this like me job searching, but without monster.com or (laughs) to find this, to to, to set me out on my path for superstardom so everybody knows about Big A from the Dirty Waters. Jack, is there an indeed for wrestlers? 
Yeah, that <laughs> I think that that would be kind of cool. So I'll go with I'll go with Andrews first, and I'll go to the Indeed thing. Um, getting a gig is kind of like the worst thing imaginable, to be honest. Unless you have the traction, like a guy like me, 5'10", 180, not a lot of people are looking for me. Nowadays, they might be just because like wrestling is a little different. But like people, like I'll I'll use Bill again for an example. He's huge. He's going to bring something to your table by physically just looking at it. You know, he's a machine. A guy like me, you look at me, you go, okay, what what can you add for me, right? So every show already has their people that they use, and if people outside of those people are being looked into. They need to add value. They need to bring fans in because that's all, unfortunately, promoters care about. The biggest thing about training is, hey, get out there, get your name out there, get your brand out there, all that. Whereas it's not as easy as it sounds unless you ride somebody's coattails. Um, I'm not naming names, but there's a lot of people that literally just ride with people and get good just based on that. Um, the schools generally do provide their shows for you. So like you'll train at their school and then they'll be like, Hey, we have a show coming up. And once you grasp the whole thing and they say, Hey, you've been training here for long enough. You're good enough. Let's get you on a show. Generally you get thrown in like a rumble match or like a scramble match um, for the first little bit. But going to Brian's question, there's not really an indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is this guy, Philip Stamper that puts out a wrestling calendar every week. He literally I don't know where he gets all of his information from, um, but he puts out a wrestling calendar every week. He goes, this is the week of, let's use today, for example, 2-6. So every show that's happening this week, Monday through Sunday, he'll have on like a little calendar and like he'll post it on Facebook, Instagram. So you can see, hey, if I don't have a, f- a show this week, let me reach out to some of these companies that do. Um, so it's not necessarily an indeed like, hey, we're not looking, but yeah it's kind of a helpful tool right because it's still we're we're still have some leftovers from when wrestling was a regional thing like there's still those elements left over in the you know it, i amateur is not the right way because you guys train as much as you know professionals but it's just the way that i i kind of look at to look at it that maybe people listening would have to think about it is like playing double a ball or something like that. You know what I mean? You're, you're one step below, but it, the central community is still there. And that's the way wrestling used to be, which is if you lived in Tennessee, you had your own little circuit that you followed. If, if you lived up here in Buffalo, you had your own little circuit. So is that right. community still pushing is as strong as other areas? Do you think Buffalo is doing better? I guess my question compared to other regions, as far as the local um, circuit, Local scenes are different everywhere. So, mm-hmm. and wrestling is also different everywhere. If you go to a show here in Buffalo, if you go to Empire State Wrestling, you'll see me, you'll see Bill, you'll see great talent. We've generated in the past eight years that I've been, we have generated a lot of traction on, you know, IWTV, Powerbomb. We're, you know, we're all over the web now. So that's great. A couple other places, let's say you go to, Oh, it doesn't even matter. Pennsylvania, but like middle Pennsylvania, not like Erie. Erie's got a good scene. Uh, let, let's say you go to uh, New Eagle, Pennsylvania, place you've never heard of, right? Right. Um, 
I've actually had a show in New Eagle, which is why I'm using this <laughs> this city. <laughs> the scene is not good. So the scene is, hey, we'll bring you guys in. It was me, Frankie Feathers, Vince Valor, and Anthony Gaines. We went in, I think we went in for like 50 a pop, maybe 60 a pop. I don't remember exactly. Promoter comes up like astounded that we were coming in he goes oh my god thank you guys so much i didn't think you guys were showing up here's your money like right out the gate we'll get money a little bit later i'm sure right out the gate he hands us our money and we're like what the hell like all right this this operation seems a little interesting Mm -hmm. and then you you get to the ring and you look at the amount of chairs that are set out and you're like we're not this isn't empire state wrestling this isn't what we're used to not a good scene um tennessee very old school still they some of the places i should say um mainly tennessee though very old school still in their wrestling areas so they'd use more storytelling than they do big spots so like flips and dives and all that crap not a lot of southern places like that some places do utilize that but the regions are different so if wrestling was all one community it would be a lot to handle i think because you could be like oh empire state wrestling's very relative to what we do here in Nashville, where it's not. You gotta you gotta use old storylines. You gotta use older wrestling tactics to get that crowd over. It's, it's hard. It's really hard to transition yourself to where you are to where you're going. Yeah. Sometimes. See, that's something I never would have known. Yeah, because from so I'm trying to figure out how we should do this. You're talking about different styles and everything else. And you talk about yeah. Tennessee, Memphis, and stuff right. like that. I'm not going to mention his name because you said he gets enough publicity as it is. But my kind of favorite wrestling podcaster where it's giving me a little bit more in-depth of the history of, of, of pro wrestling and everything else. It's so uh, talking about, we'll say good guy, bad guy. So an empire, is there that good guy, bad guy? Say if you go to Tennessee where there has to be a defined good or bad guy, but say an empire state wrestling, is there a blurred line between who's the good guy and who's the bad guy or uh, wrestling terminology face and heel? It, it depends. Generally, every match does have that face and that heel character on each side. So that's a given across the board, usually. Um, a lot of the time, if for say Empire State Wrestling, we bring in a lot of names from the independent circuit. We'll put those names sometimes together. Sometimes we'll put them against the local talent. More often than not, we'll do local talent just to say, you know, you've been wrestling with us for a while. You know, here's the here's the uh, name. It, it depends. It really does. Um, but everywhere does generally have that face and heel on each side because that's that's the thing about wrestling is you want you want to boo somebody, you want to cheer somebody. That's the only way that the crowd generally gets interactive first. Cause right out of the curtain, you can say, all right, I like this guy or all right, I don't like this guy. You need that story already from the get go before they even wrestle in the ring. Memphis, Nashville, Tennessee area probably has it stricter than we do. I wouldn't say we blur the lines necessarily, but like for me personally, I'm a heel but the crowd freaking loves me and it's we i think it's just because of my name honestly <laughs> i think it's just because of my name and the fact that i get my ass beat so often yeah which is fine which is more than fine um but i feel like in nashville i haven't wrestled in nashville memphis area unfortunately i feel like their characters are very 
hardened on I'm the bad guy, you're the good guy. And if that if something like me happens there, they're like, all right, we gotta switch you. Because I feel like since they're older style, they don't want somebody that's supposed to be bad or supposed to be good getting cheered or booed opposite. Once yeah. that happens, I feel like the older people would be like, all right, you know what? They love you. We tried to make them hate you. It's not working. You're, you're a face now. So switch that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's been through professional wrestling. Some of the, um, some of my favorite storylines, you know, watching the, the guys come through and the way that the crowd just loves them so much that there's nothing you can do. And you, they inevitably change to a face from a heel. Um, yeah. So jobbers, are allowed to win or not allowed to win? Jobbers are allowed to win. Okay. I'm not my my character's not a definitive jobber. Like he he is. He absolutely is. I lose way more often than I don't. Um and and that's a fine like I said earlier, totally fine with me. I love yeah. it. But there are times where like if I get like the sneaky victory, it's cool. Cause I had a triple threat back in January of twenty twenty. And I was losing for the whole 2019, like all of 2019. I don't think I won a single match. Actually, that's a lie. I won one, but I cheated. So <laughs> 2020, <laughs> I cheated. Uh, 2020 comes and it's a triple threat. And we're like, all right, jerk's going over. I'm like, oh, oh shoot. Okay. And we made it so it wasn't like I was supposed to kind of thing. It was more or less where... I used an opportunity that was presented to me behind the ref's back. I didn't cheat. Somebody else in the in the in the match cheated, but I used that to their advantage. Right, right, right. So it wasn't like I did anything personally to actually win the match, but I saw something. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I can use that. So that's how I ended up winning. So right. we can win as long as if I'm a definitive jobber, we have to win by like circumstance or by chance. It's right. not necessarily like go out there and win. This is your thing. And that's the way you got to tell that story. If I'm getting my ass beat by all these people for a whole year, nobody's going to expect to see me win. No. It makes a great story. Yeah. It plays into the crowd. Holy crap, the crowd went berserk. Holy crap. The crowd went berserk. It was great. It was a great time. <laughs> going back to where you were talking about getting paid. Now, when you're out of school, are you automatically getting paid or is it one of those things where you hear sometimes you got to pay your dues before you can kind of get paid and get moved to where you're in the limelight? It's definitely a gray area. So if I, my experience upstate pro wrestling, when I was there, once I started getting on shows, they actually ran two shows a month. They ran K KD. KDW and UPW. So they ran two shows. One of them was like more based on their students and one was based on everybody overall, like the trainers and students. I think that with that company, we weren't getting paid due to the nature of you train with us. So our exposure for you is our payment, which isn't necessarily a good thing. We did that for about a year and then we actually when ended up wrestling in Erie, Pennsylvania, because they were saying, Hey, we need a tag team. It was me and Anthony Gaines. We need a tag team. We'll actually pay you. So we were like, absolutely. Drives about the same from Buffalo to Rochester, Buffalo to Erie, about the same. The shows ended up being on the, the same day, almost every month. 
So we were like, all right, we kind of got to pick one. We'll pick the one where we actually make money. The owner of Upstate was not happy. He was like, you know what? Fine. Don't even come back. So then we didn't. We wrestled at Pro Wrestling Rampage in Erie for, God, four years, five years. Started out as jobber tag teams. You know, ended up getting really big. Tag team champions two, three times maybe. Um, paid Paid the whole time. You do always want to pay your dues. Like the dues don't stop. Like you want to get you want to get places early. You want to set up the ring. You want to help with chairs. You want to help with whatever you can. You go and you say, "Hey, promoter, what do you need?" Like I'm here. Do you need anything done? If you get there late, obviously don't freaking say that you're late. It's already done. <laughs> um, but also after the show, stay, tear down the ring, get the chairs out, whatever you have to do. It makes you look better to the promoter it makes you look better to the company overall to then say hey we'll bring this guy back and pay him instead of hey, it was a one-off deal i never thought about that that it literally comes down to you're supporting yourself 100 percent. like you're feeding back into the different organizations you're belonging to different promoters <clears throat> excuse me and he um, you, you said that he would you know, the, the promoter you were dealing with was willing to pay you more. Now, when when is that negotiated? Like, is that a I, I don't approach someone unless I know what I'm getting myself into as far as pay? Or do you keep put, just putting yourself out there and just whatever? You know what I mean? So. I, I usually try to do the, the one-year rule where, like, if I'm making X amount of dollars and I've been there for a year and I haven't seen an increase, I'm like, hey, I've been here for a year. You know, you utilize me every show. Like, it's not obviously uncommon that I'm here. If I was there on and off, different. But, you know, every single show, every single month for a whole year, like, I think I deserve maybe a bump in, in, uh, in increased money. And I don't think that's necessarily unfair to say. Uh, especially like when you realize where you're getting put on the card. So if you start at the bottom, like if you start as a jobber per se, and then they eventually utilize you, build you up more and more, that means they're giving you that trust to say, Hey, he doesn't need to lose anymore. We can give him storylines. We can give him anything else and he'll still excel at that. I also think that's a time where you can say, Hey, you know, I used to lose every show and now you're putting me against your, you know, your champions, or I might be losing, but you're putting me against your champions. You're giving me storylines. Obviously you trusted me. Can we negotiate my pay for a little higher now that I feel that I'm getting higher in your company? You never really want to stay where you're at for more than a year. Unless it's obviously easy and local. Um, not saying that Empire State's easy or local. They are local, but they're definitely not easy. It's definitely hard to keep a spot there because he rotates all the time. But once you feel you, you'll get the feeling like, you know, it's kind of the same as a, at a normal job. You'll get your feeling like, okay, I, I deserve, I deserve a raise. Yeah. Another like quick little question. Is there any difference between a wrestling ring and boxing ring? Oh, boxing rings are terrible. Boxing rings are so freaking bad. Um, boxing rings generally have four ropes. Generally some do have three. And the turnbuckles are usually that one hole pad, whereas wrestling has the three, the three separate ones. Um, I don't think structurally anything is much different. I don't believe that boxing rings have 
I don't want to say as much give, but like padding wise, I think they're a little rougher. I'm not um, entirely certain. I wrestled probably, in a boxing ring. Yeah. It makes sense though, because of the you would want your footing a lot more because of boxing. You know, you right. Whereas wrestling, you're okay with having a little more give on your feet if it's for the sake of taking a bump safely. You know. Yeah, because I feel like in boxing, you're not really falling as much. Unless you're losing, like right. knockout punch, you, you then, fell. You, in which you're, case, you're gone. retire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and in wrestling, like you know, you're falling every freaking. Depending on the match, obviously, you're falling a lot. Yeah. And like you're jumping off the top rope. You don't. That doesn't happen in boxing. <laughs> Nobody's flying off the top rope for a punch, <laughs> which would be sweet. I don't know. If, I don't even know if that's legal for boxing, but that would be so cool. <laughs> um, I I've never looked underneath a boxing ring. I've wrestled in one, which is not fun. Um, granted, when you're wrestling, you don't really feel adrenaline wise. You don't really feel the difference. You do you do in the morning, and then you go, "Wow, that was a boxing ring." Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't think there's much difference structurally. I think just padding might be a little different. Ah, uh, where's the guy? Did you? What? Now this might be where the safe where it comes into play. Uh, the, the cutting or anything of that nature, bleeding, is that condoned or not condoned, or does it just depend on where you where you're wrestling? And you can you know you can say it at any time. And is it is easy to is it easy to set that up? So it's different. A lot of places, I wouldn't say it's condoned necessarily to bleed. A lot of places, some places are strictly deathmatch wrestling. So there's blood all the time, which I personally don't think is necessary. Like, what are you doing? Um, anytime that I've personally bled, it's been legitimate. So you know, accidents or whatever, literally, honestly, sometimes you don't even think that you're bleeding, but you're bleeding, uh, <laughs> which is stupid. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily one way or the other. I don't think it's bad or good, but if the match needs it, like deathmatch wrestling, obviously we'll always need blood. Like you can't go through a deathmatch wrestling and not bleed. Um, sometimes big storylines will end in, I don't know, for instance, a uh, last man standing or TLC match where, Maybe it's a little easier to get away with that because I got hit in the head with a ladder or a chair, whatever. Um, maybe I should be bleeding now. As far as setting it up, it's not necessarily the hardest thing. Without going into too much detail, it's not It's not difficult. Um, it's very simple to set it up. Quick Google search, I'm sure. I'm not Google, so I'm not going to give it away. Yeah. Uh, quick Google search, though, I'm very certain you can figure out how people bleed willingly. Um very easy to set up, I would think. I've never done it, but I've seen people do it, and I've had people do it in the match with me. Very, very simple to set up. Sucks, though. Definitely right. looks like it sucks. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. Like, I'm not purposely doing that to myself. If I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. Like, I'm right. not I'm not doing that. <laughs> so if you do get, say, okay, you said that you've bled, but yep. not because it was because you did it to yourself right or say you get injured what's you know something accidents do happen 
and something does happen, you break your arm, you know, you get cut open. Is there a medical team there? And does the promoter take care of like that? Or is that on you as say an independent wrestler? Every state's different. New York state by law needs um, an ambulance on site. So they, that's a requirement from the athletic commission. So if, if you're in New York state, generally that is taken care of from that ambulance. As far as insurance goes, New York state does require insurance as well. So the promoter will have to purchase insurance for each sanctioned show in New York state to utilize. You can utilize it. It's probably not as good as your personal health insurance, depending on what your personal health insurance is. So you can utilize it or you don't have to. Uh, states like, I believe Pennsylvania doesn't require it. Um, they can have it obviously on site if they want, but they don't need it. New York State also does require a doctor to be on site to take like blood pressure or heart rate before wrestlers go out. So that's good. So you always do have a licensed doctor on site as well in New York State. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not required everywhere. It depends on where you're at. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, is there, you kind of answered in a way, but like, is there a physical you got to take before, say, you know, there's a guy with some heart condition and I'm thinking of the movie, The Wrestler, where right. he's got the heart condition and he's like, screw this. I you don't know exactly what happened, but he's like, I'm going out in the ring. My life sucks. I'm cutting deli meat. And I'm gonna go out of the ring. But is there? What is there? I was wondering if there was like a physical you almost had to take before to make sure that you're physically set to wrestle in that match. Not necessarily. New York State's the only state that I've wrestled in where they do require the the blood pressure and the heart rate. New York State looks at professional wrestling the same way as like MMA or UFC does. So our guidelines are the exact same, which makes absolutely no sense given the nature of what we do versus what they do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, there's nothing else like physically that you need to do. Granted, some states could be different. I haven't wrestled in every, in all 50 states. Canada is also different. They don't need that either. I've wrestled in Canada. Um, they don't require that. Based on province though, maybe. Like, I don't know if their providences relate to like what our states do, but the places I've wrestled in Canada don't require anything. It's all usually up to the wrestler if they feel good or not. Yeah, safety has to start at the top, you would think. Um, so you, you take care of yourself, but it's, it's I like the idea that when you wrestle in my state that you're taken care of. Right. <laughs> it it's, makes it's me nice. feel good. It's definitely could nice. Use, could use some of my, my uh, tax dollars or whatever, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I, I, I wouldn't say I prefer wrestling in New York State just because there is waste way too much money that the promoter has to deal with like the ambulance on site they have to pay for that they got to pay for generally like i mean they got to pay for everything obviously like the wrestlers the venue the, the ambulance all that the insurance it's easier to get more money i would think in a different state because they don't have those all separate expenses um, but then again they might not have the crowd that somebody in new york state does so it's a give and take but I definitely prefer the, hey, I have a doctor in the back in case something goes wrong. <laughs> All right. Who is the uh, one wrestler that you have wrestled with that you are, okay, maybe you can't name names if I do it like this, but. I probably can't. How about, how about, uh, 
<laughs> if if you have wrestled with someone and you consistently know you have to wrestle with this person and you don't feel like you get the best matches out of them, what what can you do? What is on yourself that can maybe get you through the match? Because that's something I'm worried about. Like if I was a wrestler, like chemistry, but you yeah. know that you're in this circuit and you know that you're you're going to come across these wrestlers every now and then. Obviously, you can choose your tag team so that's a good separation like hey at least if i'm in a tag team and i'm going against this guy it's only 50 percent of the time i'd have to actually (laughs) go against them um right but like how do you get through that wrestling chemistry is different so it's very i wouldn't say difficult with anybody specifically i don't think in my experience i've had difficult with anybody minus the people i'll go back to new eagle pennsylvania minus the people that literally have no idea what they're doing and don't in my eyes have the training that they should have. Um, sometimes you can, you can tell, you can tell the moment you see somebody, maybe not see them, but the moment like you see them in the ring, you can tell if they're where their experience levels at. Okay. I've had a couple of questionable matches in the weird circuits of Pennsylvania specifically where they weren't trained. They weren't good. Um, for instance, I don't remember his name, so I won't even give it away. So that's cool. Uh, I just remember he was big. He was a big dude. It was, it was a handicap match. It was my tag partner and I against him. I think his first name was Jack, which is really funny. Don't remember his last name. Um, and you can tell by looking at him that one, he's uninterested Two, He doesn't care whether or not he wrestles that day or not. And three, he doesn't put in effort the way you can immediately tell if somebody puts an effort is by their gear. Like if you have custom gear with your name on it and it looks different and you can't find it online, <laughs> that's a generally a good sign. Like this guy actually takes this seriously. Yeah. This dude probably went to like high spots, got a singlet, maybe even Amazon. It was like a black and red singlet kind of cane looking, but just had like a big skull on it. And like a dude carrying a scythe, like it didn't look like it was his, like his name wasn't on it. Like my gear has my name on it. It's right across my butt. Like it's very (laughs) obvious who I am. Uh, (laughs) So he wasn't good. We, you know, we'd be in the back, we'd call the, call the match out. And then we get out there, which calling the match sounded okay. It sounded like it went well. Like he's like, all right, I, I got it. I understand. And then we were out there and it's like, he forgot everything. And there are those wrestlers that do that. There's a couple two that one actually not talking about it. I've wrestled. He's decent. He's big. He's been doing it for years, way longer than I have, but God, he does not, he does not remember a thing that you say. (laughs) And like, then you get out there and you're like, all right, I'm expecting this or what, you know, whatever. And then he's just doing whatever he wants. Like, man, man, what are you doing? <laughs> and th- those those are the times where it's like, all right, nah, I don't know if I want to do this, but yeah. you do it again the next week and it's fine. It's... But chemistry-wise, it's good. It's just remembering-wise, if you remember everything the way that it was supposed to go. Yeah. That sounds like a safety better. concern, too, to me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, he's not, the first guy I was talking about, definitely a safety concern. Not good, not safe, doesn't know how to 
hit correctly, doesn't know how to freaking take care of himself. The other guy, even if he doesn't remember, he knows what he does well or knows what we would do well. Because, like, generally you watch everything else and, like, you know that you're not going to get hurt. People that have wrestled this guy before, I've wrestled him four times now, never been hurt. He might forget things, might forget a lot of things, whatever. <laughs> but uh, never, never a safety concern with him. If you know, if he was unsafe, he wouldn't still be wrestling. So that makes sense. You talk about gear, all right? So Big Abe from the Dirty Waters needs some <laughs> gear. Where do I go to get my gear? Do I get oh. like a seamstress? Do I, like you said, do I go to Amazon or <laughs> is there a pro wrestling gear website? I mean, where do I go? So there's not necessarily a website. A lot of people just independently do it. Like you can find, you know, if you're looking for your first pair, let's say, if you're looking for your first pair of gear, generally you talk to people that have been doing it for a while. And like you can look at their gear, hey, where did you get your gear from? There's this guy that made a couple pairs of gear for myself, Congo Kong. I think he's out of Indiana. I'm not exactly sure where he's out of. Um, people say, hey, go to him. He's, he makes great gear. And then you'll talk to somebody else. You know, Go to her. She makes great gear. You talk to Bill Collier, his fiance, wife, fiance, I think it's fiance, makes gear. Go to her. She's great for me. She's local. Pretty quick. She's actually making a pair of gear for me now. Um, you know, she's good. She makes all of his stuff now, so She's got the experience. You know, you talk to somebody else, go to them. It's really word of mouth. So, like, if you look at somebody's gear, you say, hey, I like that. Where did you get that? They'll tell you, and then you can reach out to that company or person individually. Some people are individual. Do you guys wear cops? <laughs> no. no. Some do. Okay. I don't some think – I, I feel like some do. I haven't seen anybody, like, putting in a cup, but I feel like some might. Then again, I don't think it's probably the safest thing to do, especially True. if you're taking a front yeah. bump or like jumping outside. Um, I've never seen somebody wear a cup, but I wouldn't put it past somebody in the case that they do. I'm just putting it into a category like every other sport that I've played or had to buy equipment for my kids because they were playing it as well. And cup was as cups on the it. list. Yeah, cup was on the list, and it's. It's a very awkward moment to like be like, well, what size do you need? So I was just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, you're like, uh, (laughs) so, but that's the only thing you're like, I was wondering like if you guys wear a cup or cause you see the elbow pads, you see knee pads, you see, you see a lot of that now boots. Is that the same thing? Or could I just, cause I noticed the boots are a little bit higher than say, you know, unless you're, probably doing some like military gimmick where you can just go out and buy a pair of combat boots. <laughs> Those are easy to find. Yeah. Boots are a little different boots. You can, there are some people that do boots, but there's a couple websites you can just find boots from. Um, there's a couple high, higher rated websites that do boots. I don't know the names of them cause I don't wear boots. Some people do boots because they, you know, you generally get a little bit of a, of a lift in them. Um, and they just look a little cleaner. I would think. Uh, I use shoes and kick pads, which don't really, I wouldn't say they look bad because that's just kind of like the norm now. Um, A lot of older school wrestlers wore boots, whereas a lot of new people use the kick pads and shoes. Um, I I do a lot of kicks, though, so it it makes more sense for me. 
I kick people a lot very hard too. So to have a little cushion when I'm kicking people is probably nicer for them than if I had a, a whole ass boot. <laughs> it's the look, right? It's the the boots is the look. It's it makes you think of the back in the day days there. You think of yep. you know Hulk Hogan or whatever, and they got those giant vinyl boots on. Because that's what yeah, it looks no, it, like to me. It's so shiny. It, it looks more professional. To be honest, I think so. I don't. I don't use them, but it definitely looks more professional to have boots on than kick pads, for sure. Now, if if I'm, could you? Could anybody learn pretty much any wrestling move? Like I'm a big dude. Could I start Hurricane Rana people, or am I just more like you? Better just learn how to double a (laughs) spine buster some of the crap out of somebody. So anybody can learn whatever they want. It, it It's a cool thing to see bigger people doing more athletic Hurricane Rana dropkick things, I think. And it gets you, it gets your name out there better, too, where it's like, hey, this dude's 6'9", 300 pounds, throwing Hurricane Rana's out there. Or, like, doing dives off the top. Like, that, that that's cool. But it's also depending on, like, where you think you want to be. Like, if you're athletic enough to do these things safely – absolutely go for it but smaller guys like me have a bit of a less advantage to where like i can't be throwing you know double choke slams or like things like that to people because i'm small i could do that to people my size or smaller because that just makes sense but like if i'm choking up a dude that's you know four inches taller than me 50 more pounds than me that's not that's not a good look it makes me look strong sure but probably shouldn't be doing that yeah plus i'm not ripped like if you look at me when i'm wrestling i'm not ripped like if i was ripped i might be able to get away with it but i'm not so i can't but bigger bigger guys generally obviously there's exceptions generally do stick with the you know the big the big clotheslines the big strikes or uh you know the double chokes like i used or power bombs big moves because they want to look big but if you want to look like a big dude to use those and athletic hurricane ranas and things, absolutely go for it. So when you when you when you're out there, like I already gave myself my name, but does somebody give you your name or does your trainer say you need to create this persona for yourself? Or does somebody actually just give it to you? So this is my favorite story to tell, actually. You can you can name yourself 100%. That's just not that, – that's a thing in WWE majorly. Like, they'll name you. Um, they'll bring you and be like, hey, this is your name. Like, all right, whatever. They're obviously a billion-dollar company. 2021 ratings, they just made over a billion dollars. So that's why I say billion. Um, so they'll – you know what? Name me. You guys make billions of dollars. Go ahead. Whatever, whatever you guys need to do, sure. But independently – You'd break out the Red Rooster gimmick again? Absolutely. I'll absolutely break out the Red Rooster. But uh, independent circuit-wise, no, nobody's naming you. Um, I actually did get named, so Jerk Coggins is not a name that I picked. It's my favorite story ever. Um, It was August. Uh, I don't remember the year. I do not remember the year, but it was an August show. And it was my ex-girlfriend, girlfriend at the time, obviously, his birthday. And this was a show that I was not booked on. 
and it was, I think, Thursday night. Thursday night or Friday night, that either two days or a day before the show, somebody texted me and said, hey, Jack, you're on Saturday. Like, here's the show. Obviously, you know about it. I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I told the promoter I can't make it. It's my girlfriend's birthday. Like, we have plans. <laughs> and they go, Jack, we need you. Just come in, wrestle, and you can leave. I was like, all right, you know what? Whatever. I worked it out. She was not happy. Um, <laughs> I comped a ticket, though, for her. I said, you know what? You get it for free. She goes, it's my birthday. I said, I'm aware. We still had a great day. You know, we did birthday stuff, birthday things with the girl. And then, <laughs> sorry. And then uh, 6 o'clock rolled around. Hold on, I'm just going to meet myself real quick. Actually, no, he's good. He's done. Um, he's done. I, he literally sees like a snowflake and he goes crazy. Um, so the show's at six. So five thirty, the door is open six o'clock. The first bell goes off. I said, all right, please make me first out there. So then I can, you know, we don't have to be here longer for her birthday. And they go, fine. That, that, that's fine. So I get there at like five forty-five, maybe five fifty, like very very late but I, I gave them fair warning i said it's her birthday i'm not going to be here at a decent time so i go up to the sheet in the back looking for my name like my name was jet rebel it still is in some places i'm only jerk coggins at one promotion locally at empire state that's the only time i'm jerk coggins he's very exclusive it's great <laughs> um, I'm, I'm jet rebel everywhere else though so i'm looking for jet rebel on the board and i'm like no, no, no. And I was against Vince Valor. So I see Vince Valor versus Jerk Cockins. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I texted my girlfriend. I was like, hey, we can leave. Like, I'm not on the card. I, they must have replaced me. Just didn't tell me because it was your birthday, whatever. So I run out. I run around. I find the promoter really quick. I say, hey, what the heck happened? Like, I thought I was wrestling. I'm here. Like, I moved dinner plans up a little bit or whatever we had. I think it was dinner. Um, and like he was busy counting, doing something. I forget exactly what he was doing. I think he was counting the, the money or like doing tickets or something at the door. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I'm here. What am I doing? Do you need me? Do, do you not? He goes, jerk Cockins, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> just like that. And I'm like, so that that's me. And then I find Vince and I say, Vince, what, like, what's going on? He goes, Oh yeah. They just need you jerk Cockins. Cause you weren't here on time. I was like, I literally told you guys I'm not going to be here on time. So ever since that day, I've been Jerk Hawkins. Oh, man. <laughs> and it, it's just been, it's been great. It's been a wild ride. I love it. Awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was, I don't think anybody told him. That, that's, that's what it comes down to, I think. I'm pretty sure he said, I'm booking Jack this Saturday, a day or two before, where I wasn't supposed to be. I was jobbing, which was fun, uh, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um. So I don't think anybody told him. I forgot who texted me that I was on. I think it was probably Anthony at the time. I think he said you're on the show, so like you know, be there. I don't think Anthony ever told the promoter that I was going to be late. So when I got there five minutes before I had to go out there, I think he was like a little pissed off. But it is it is what it is. We're great now. <laughs> is this an Anthony that I know? Anthony Gaines or Anthony? Uh, Anthony Gaines. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Now, when you mentioned that you won like the tag belts, uh, did you get to 
keep those or was that just more you wore them for the show and then had to go back to the promoter generally you get to keep them generally and i say that with a grain of salt because it depends um in a company like that where we were we knew we were going to be on every show because like we had dedicated that saturday because they ran the same saturday every month to that show we were like all right we're not taking anything else. especially when we were the champions like we're like all right we can't do anything else um if you know you're going to be there month in and month out or show after show obviously some promotions run shows quicker then you get to keep them usually sometimes the promoters are a little weird about on that especially depending on distance um but yeah we we got to keep everything we won our uh our bags had like three belts in them at one time which is kind of fun that's cool <laughs> yeah then your now Jet Rebel and Jerk Hawkins are they the same type of personality? Or are they two different personalities? I try to make them two different, but I feel like they're the same, which sucks. Um, I try to Jet Rebel's a lot more eccentric, I feel. But then, but then again, Jerk Hawkins is too. But like Jerk Hawkins is like he he's honestly a freaking jerk. Like I I will never forget. And and one of these kids I know, so this story is really funny. I walked around. I don't. I didn't have any merch at the time. I actually barely do now. I only have T-shirts, honestly. Um, but then again, Jerk Hawkins only wrestles once a month. Jet Rebel wrestles all the time. Well, used to, not anymore. But that's okay. Um, before I had any merchandise, I was like, I gotta find a way to make money. Like, yeah, I'm getting paid, but like, you know, a little extra cash ain't bad. So I'd walk around during intermission. <laughs> And I would scream free photos for $5. And people didn't understand what that meant, right? So people were like, oh, free photo? Sure, absolutely. I said, no, 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 no. Free photo, but it's $5. And they said, can you explain that to me? I said, absolutely. You ever go out to dinner and you pay for your meal and then you have to tip the waitress, you know, whatever you feel is necessary. I said, your dinner, aka the photos, 100% free. But it's mandatory <laughs> that you tip me $5 for this photo. <laughs> So I think I made like 50 bucks and one of them was like my friend that I know from high school. <laughs> so, and he's like, he's like, Jack, I, I'm like, no, like, I'm not, I'm not giving you special treatment. I need that $5. <laughs> like it's not, it's a Hell free yeah. out here. It is, it is free, <laughs> but you're tipping me $5. So that was, that was very fun. Whereas Jet Rebels like, Jet Rebel has a blast. Usually Jet Rebels actually a face, which is very weird. But, um, they're they're the same, but they're different. I feel like if they were both heels, they'd be the same character. But I okay. also really, really want to do Jerk Hawkins versus Jet Rebel, and I have the perfect plan for it and the perfect idea, and I gotta pitch it at Empire State soon because it's it's gold, and it, it's something I gotta do before I retire. Like I have to. <laughs> like a Mick Foley type situation. Where there's many different They're similar, yeah. But like, I'm feuding with myself. That's that's the storyline I want to get across. Like, I want myself to fight myself. Beautiful. And I ha- I know exactly how I'm gonna do it. I just need to be able to do it. Now, if like you said, like uh, feuding with yourself or something like that, if you're in a match and you just feel like the crowd is just not into it. How do you kind of do? 
trying to think because I know this one. I wasn't really, but and you can say no to answering this, but I mean, how do you like flip that switch or do you just say, let's just get this over with and call it a day? Or do you go through your whole entire match routine? It depends. So feeling out the crowds is definitely a big thing too, where it takes a lot of experience to do that. Feeling out the crowds is something that I still struggle with personally, because I feel like, like I can, I can get through something without calling it in the back now. But I feel like feeling the crowd out's a little different because sometimes, usually I'm more focused on like actually what's happening. I haven't wrestled all that much. Like I have, but I haven't wrestled like thousands of matches to where like I'll like, all right, I know what I'm doing in here. Let me focus on what the crowd's doing. Usually, in my experience, you just kind of finish it. You know, they're not all winners. You know, you're not going to get them every time. But there is usually some point where you'll get them no matter what. Which is usually the ending of the match, honestly. is usually when it ends. They're like, oh my god, they'll either cheer because it's over or they'll cheer because it was actually pretty cool. Um, but sometimes, you know, it just takes that one move. And it could be something so simple um, to get the crowd back. My biggest simple thing is that the crowd loves every single time is clapping somebody's ears. Like, you, you ever, like, you ever clap somebody from behind and, like, your, like, biceps hit their ears? Crowd goes berserk. Maybe not berserk, but they love that every time. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't understand it. I saw it once, and I'm like, I'm going to do that. And every time I've done it so far has been, like, it gets the crowd back. I don't know why, but it does it. So you usually find those moves, even if you don't incorporate them when you were calling them, and say, hey, crowd's dead. Let's do something that we know for sure is going to make them get back. And so you could do that. So when it comes to the psychology and feeling things out, this is not something that it, it possibly is teachable, but it's more instinct and feel than what it is like comparing to a football player that can watch game film constantly and they might not pick up on it all the time, but if they feel it on the field, they know how to pick up on it where it's a, teachable thing but it's not teachable if you <laughs> if that makes no, any sense to anybody it doesn't but i kind of know where you're going like it's like, definitely like you you you'll know i think is where you're going like you'll definitely yeah. it psychology is teachable to an extent like you can give them the broad horizon of what you're doing like if i'm wrestling the same dude for six months Obviously, you know, you don't, you're going to give them the same story, like we're feuding, we're doing this, but you don't want to give them the same match each time. Psychology is very hard to get across when you're plain, I would think. Some wrestlers are very plain and they literally just, just do wrestling, whereas people like me, I scream a lot, I, I dress awkwardly. Uh, <laughs> but psychology is different. Every single thing that the crowd sees needs to play into psychology which took me a while because usually normally i would just walk out there like all right we're doing this thing but you know gaining more experience i'm like all right psychology every single thing from the moment you step out there needs to have a meaning so psychology is different for pro wrestling compared to anything else i think i could be wrong but i think it's very different and it's very hard because you're not going to get everybody no matter what like even if you look at john cena you know the biggest 
biggest name in wrestling probably ever. You're not, he doesn't have everybody. Like a lot of people love him, obviously, but there's always those people that say Cena sucks, um, which is fine, but he doesn't have everybody at all times, which is normal. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a, uh, it's a unique blend of a few different medias really, you know, you've, it, it, the story building is <clears throat> unlike anything else. You know, no athlete out there has to worry about building a storyline or sticking to a, you know, a certain plot or, or backstory or whatever. And the other thing is, you know, it's, it's everything you're doing out there is based on how can I make this look as damaging as possible with, without actually having that outcome, which is, you know, that's not what you're looking for in football. If you go out there and you lay a perfectly clean, you know, damaging hit where you destroy a dude, a, 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 like we saw it just a couple of weeks ago, the AFC championship game. Uh, but um, I think that you guys, yeah, you have a tough job. It's ridiculously challenging to walk out of there with the full entertainment of the crowd and your, your satisfaction and your partner's satisfaction and, and everybody walks away healthy. Right. It's definitely, it's definitely different, especially when you're wrestling somebody you don't know for the yeah. first time. Like you want to go out there. A lot of the time you want to watch the person that you wrestle for a little bit. Like you, like you figure out who you're wrestling. Like I have a, sh- I have a show coming up on the 20th. No idea what I'm doing yet, which is fine. I know I'm go- I know I'm doing something, but it, it's nicer to say, Hey, you're wrestling so-and-so. So then you can do a little research. Yeah. on who they are like okay this dude uh you know he's six four he does a lot of flips i actually wrestled a dude that's huge and he does backflips on the outside and like a lot of weird things even andrew was just mentioning it like he's a big dude he does things that big dudes generally don't and it looks good and it, it's whatever but safety definitely plays a concern in the psychology aspect too because you're right. You do want to make things look damaging. You want to make them look powerful, but you also, you're not trying to kill that dude. Right. This isn't really anything about the sport, but just because we've got into, you've talked about different areas or, you know, territories of where wrestling takes place. I mean, it independent scene takes place all across country, Canada, Mexico. Is there a state and then maybe a country you would really just want to see what it was like to wrestle there just because the styles state-wise i don't really care state united states wrestling is kind of very the same like obviously we went over the territories those are obviously different but wrestling overall in the united states i feel is the same whereas um countries are way different uk is different mexico's way different you know the lucha libre style is super different and japan is insane japan is very hardcore not hardcore like bleeding but the hardcore and like hard hitting like very hard hitting and difficult um so i think i'd like to go to japan just once i don't want to be hurt i will be but I don't want to be, but I, it'd be, it'd be a fun experience for sure. Uh, Andrew, do you have any more questions? One last question to get uh, our, our good friend out here on. 
Let's just do who is the most famous wrestler that you wrestled on the independent scene. I have wrestled Ricky Morton. Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton. I have wrestled Ricky Morton. So that is fun. Um, Great dude. Freaking great dude. Um, Very hard-hitting. He there was a spot where he had to hit our manager off of the apron, and he punched that dude so hard. Um, I've also wrestled Devon Dudley from the Dudley Boys. Wow. I haven't wrestled him. I haven't wrestled him. Let me let me take that back. Uh, I cut a promo with him where I hid behind his back from the people that he hired to come put me through a table. So I hid behind his back. Um, he ended up turning around and punching me for real so hard in the in the face that his watch broke. He actually made a joke about that on the microphone. He goes, now that you broke my watch, I'm like, I didn't do that. We even went to the back afterwards. I'm like, I didn't break your watch. He goes, I know. I punched you so hard. I'm like, yeah. Like, I wasn't bleeding, but like, I was definitely, I definitely had a headache for about 48 hours because that boy. Oh, oh geez. That's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Jack, um, I'm glad that you are uh, becoming such a close friend of mine. You are. 100% authentic in everything you do and this has been an incredible interview it uh questionnaire I don't even know what to call this platform really podcast po- you it, we podcast. are <laughs> you uh bring such nice levity and realism and uh, just excitement you can it, it's un- um, it's unfortunate we don't release this in video form um maybe someday I will but uh <laughs> To see Jack talk about these stories and everything like that, it's 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 fun seeing yeah uh, the way it lights you up and it's the real passion coming out of you. And uh, thank you for being our uh, our expert on this. This is awesome. Oh, absolutely, dude. Whenever you need it, I'm an expert in a lot of things. Self proclaimed expert, <laughs> I should say, self proclaimed. But this one, I, this one, I actually know. And <laughs> football, a, football, I just I talk out my ass. He's an expert in football players with tiny heads, though. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> and where can they find you? You you appear once a month with Andrew, right? At once least a month with Andrew on the Let's Talk But No Politics. Okay, uh, we do movie reviews at the end of the month. Yes. I'm also on the Two Point Conversation on Thursday releases. We do trivia during the actual actual season. We do pickums, so we right. pick out the teams every week. Um, I'm thinking, and I'm not entirely certain about starting my own podcast with my girlfriend. Oh, there we go. We're, we're we're debating on a uh, scenario, but her and I are incredibly busy, <laughs> so we're not sure if that's going to get up going. But um, okay. you can also find me anywhere wrestling. That's and if what you don't find is me more important. <laughs> yeah, if you don't find me in your local independent scene, tell the company to reach out to me. Uh, I think honestly, let me double check. I'm pretty sure Instagram's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm pretty sure I'm literally just at oh, I'm at cocky underscore rebel nine. I forgot I changed Bad. it. So cocky underscore rebel nine on the, on go. the gram. So sign into my DMS. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Andrew, great topic. My friend, uh, tell the folks, uh, where they can find your amazing content. Uh, you can find geez me, uh, like Jack said, let's talk with no politics. Okay. We do uh, movie review once a month. I also do video game stuff with Matt Johnson, where we just talk about some great, throwback stuff and let's talk about no politics okay is kind of just an everything pop culture podcast where kind of childhood meets adulthood talking about how you felt about it as a child and 
how you feel about it as an adult. Uh, probably my one of my favorite episodes are probably about to come up because uh, Bryce Benjamin and I took old sitcoms and made them into dramas and they got pretty heavy pretty quick. But I'm also on the two-point conversation uh, during the season. I'm only a one-timer. I do NFL histories on Fridays, but off-season, I do Monday what-ifs with Matt Johnson. Uh, I'm also part of the Retro League on Wednesdays, and then still NFL history on Fridays, and every once in a while, I like to sneak into the NFL trivias as well. There you go. With your son. Yes, with my son, who's stolen Yo, the Scoo- Scoo- Jacoby. Scoo- Jacoby. <laughs> <laughs> We still yeah. got heat. Sorry. Oh, it's been fantastic. Uh, after we're done recording here, I, I I got something to ask you guys that came up the uh, the other day in crafting. Uh, anyways, uh, yes. Uh, as I just mentioned, check out my stuff. At, uh, we're all on the network. I, I know we probably don't have to say that, but in the same time, we do have to say that. Uh, find all of us uh, and our content at BICBP-radio.com. That is the home of the network website. And that is where all these podcasts can be found universally, as well as all your favorite uh, podcast platforms. I don't know what you're using nowadays. I'm glad to be back on exclusively Apple personally, because that's my favorite podcast. Uh, Spotify is terrible guys. I'm not even talking politics. I'm saying that app is just garbage. It's a garbage app. Don't use it. Uh, but if you are into podcasts, check out my crafting and drafting it is bi-weekly show where we draft silly topics and drink beer. Uh, I am on the Tuesday episodes of two point conversation and then doing some God's guest stuff with these guys. And then, uh, as well as, uh, this podcast guys. Oh, and processing processing came back. Man. Yeah. Processing's back and processing. The process came back and, uh, we'll be trying to drop that every Friday we're aiming for. So yeah, cool. Honestly, Jack, fantastic. Andrew, great topic. And uh, I hope we all learned, uh, you know, just a little shit about wrestling.